What have we been talking about on Wednesday nights? The book of Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. And so, you know, I want to, I got, I don't know how far I'm going to get into it tonight, but I, I just, I was, uh, I do carry a Bible and read a Bible, you know. I, I know I'm always on the iPad up here, and, and but uh, I have a Spirit-filled life, New King James Version. If you, if you ever looking for a Bible, you need to get one of these. It's got such study helps in it. And uh, it's always got, how many's got a New Spirit-filled Bible in here? Oh, wow, I thought nearly everybody in here had, had one of those. Anyway, at the beginning of every letter, it tells you the background, the occasion of the date, the purpose, the content, the personal application, Christ revealed, and the work of the Holy Spirit in every book of the Bible. It gives you all those things in here, and then it gives you helps, study helps throughout the Bible, throughout it. I mean, they'll give you definitions of the words and everything else and all kinds of stuff, and in the back it gives you all kinds of stuff. Anyway, it's a great Bible, and, and I, I don't know how many of these I have because these are the only ones I buy as a Spirit-filled life. And, uh, but I, the book of Ephesians, and I want to read some, a couple of things that's the beginning of the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this about 60 to 61 A.D. That was after the death of Christ. And so he wrote this letter to the uh, church at Ephesus. Paul spent over two years at Ephesus ministering to that church. He stayed two years just ministering to that church, God began to show him who we were in Christ, and he began to teach them. And, and some of the things that uh, uh, it says this, uh, I'm going to read this. Uh, I, I could re- you'd love reading the whole thing. In fact, I read it again today. And uh, it says, Ephesians has been called the Alps of the New Testament, the Grand Canyon of Scripture, and the royal capstone of the epistles. Not only because of its grand theme, but because of the majesty of Christ revealed here. Chapter 1, it says He is the Redeemer. Chapter 2, He's the Peacemaker who has reconciled man to God. Chapter 3, it says He is the treasure in whom life's unsearchable riches are found. In chapter uh, in uh, chapter 4, Jesus is the giver of, of ministry gifts to His church. Chapter 5, He is the model husband unselfishly giving himself to embrace his bride. Chapter 6, he is the Lord Almighty in battle and the resources of strength for his own as arm of the spiritual warfare. And so we see uh, that Jesus was so revealed and how Paul literally was teaching the Ephesus church about how how uh, who they were in Christ and their spiritual authority and their, pra- their prayers that he prayed and such as that. It's a, listen, the book of Ephesians is something you are to read periodically. And you need to meditate on periodically because it's a powerful book. So it was written about 60, 61 A.D. And then Jesus transcribed a letter to John on the Isle of Patmos called the book of Revelation. And he wrote letters to seven churches, seven churches. Guess who one of the churches was he wrote a letter to? The church at Ephesus. And in Revelations, I want, I just want to read this letter. I did, had no intentions of doing that till the Lord kind of spoke to me to do that. Just, uh, right before I come out here, basically. In the book of Revelations now. In Revelations chapter two. And he told John to write to the churches and he said to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write. Now understand something, Paul, 
was with them for what, two years? If you read, if you saw and studied the background, you found out he was with the church of Ephesus for two years, teaching them who they were in Christ, their authority, how much God loved them, how much God cared about them, how God reconciled them and all such as that. And here's the letter that Jesus told John, send to the church at Ephesus. He says, these things, says he, talking about Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. That you have left your first love. I'm talking about here's a church that's been being taught by the Apostle Paul on all the who they are in Christ and all. He said, I, I, I give you merits for this, merits for this, and merits for this, but this is what I have against you. You left your first love. How many knows Jesus is supposed to be our first love? Amen. I said, Jesus is supposed to be our first love, right? Am I right? Amen. I mean, he said, you'll, you'll, you'll have no other gods before me. Another, I'm, I'm uno number one. That's about all the Spanish I got. Was that uno? Is that in Spanish? I don't know. But anyway, I doesn't get off and interpretate. But isn't it amazing how Jesus said, I have this against you. You, you, you hate the deeds of, of the, all the evil that's going on, but you have left your first love. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out there right now that's left their first love. God's not a thought in their mind no more. And the only time He is is when something happens. That ought not be so. I said, that ought not be so. I wonder if Jesus was sending a letter out now, which he did send this because these are to the churches. Just because it's to Ephesus, it applies even to the churches today. And there's seven churches that he wrote to and said this, which would fit a lot of things that's going on in our world right now also. It says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, just as I also hate. Notice what he says in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church is. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And I thought that was pretty interesting to notice that right here in all this teaching, God's Paul's teaching the Ephesians in uh, in this letter, all of a sudden Jesus some 10 years after the fact that this letter supposedly was in the Ephesus church, tells John, send this to Ephesus. Tell them, I'm pleased with a lot of things they're doing, but I'm not pleased with the fact that they left their first love. We got to, you know, you got to, you got to, let me put it this way. We have to stay in love with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? There's been people tell somebody, well, I don't love you no more. Well, listen, that's because they fell out of love with them. You have to work to stay in love with somebody. Am, am, I, am I right? We have to work on staying in love with somebody. And I tell you, we have to work on staying... Listen to me, don't take this wrong because I love Jesus with every fiber of my being. But you have to work on staying in love with Jesus. Staying in love with somebody is showing it. Demonstrating it. Living it. And so we, our love for God is, is like, I don't, I would, I would, I would hate for, to even think that Jesus would have to tell me you've left your first love. 
Now, I'm not saying I've I've, I've, I've been as gung-ho as I should always be. Now, listen to me. Sometimes we get a little, what I would call a little cold. I hate to say that, but sometimes it seems what we get that way. Because Jesus said, I'd rather be cold or hot, because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That was to another church. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And I've often wondered if he wants you cold or hot, I think you ought to be hot. Amen. 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 Lukewarm. I, I kind of thought like Jesus is kind of like I am with soup. I don't want it lukewarm. I don't like my food lukewarm at all. If it comes out lukewarm, I thank God for microwaves. Sometimes I've wanted to invade some restaurants' kitchens and use their microwave. Huh? And when it singes the hair off my tongue, I said, that's just right. Somebody says Jesus wants us white hot. That's about as hot as you can get. White hot. So I want to go back to the book of Ephesians. And I want to start back in chapter 2. And I think I stopped at 17, but I'm starting back at verse 1. And I want to read the first seven verses in uh, in the Message Bible. And uh, in chapter two, verse one, verse six, and I, I probably won't even get to verse seventeen tonight because God kind of, I kind of, I got held up on a, on a couple of verses. And uh, in verse six, it says, "It wasn't too long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin." One through six. Or six through one, each any way we want to do it. Let me start over. Now I'm in the message Bible. It wasn't too long ago that you were mired. Too long ago. Listen, all I want you to understand when you're reading Paul's epistles, his letters. Understand, he's always talking about who you were and who you are. And we gotta, we gotta make the difference up and know who we are now compared to what we was back before Christ. See, we all had BC days. That's before Christ days. And now we have a, a whole new life working on the inside of us unless, unless we know what's working on the inside of us, how are we ever gonna be able to yield to it? Unless we understand what the Bible says and the letters that Paul wrote were literally letters to teach us what's going on or what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he's saying is, it wasn't too long ago that you were mired, talking about to the, to the church at Ephesus, in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in the company with Jesus, our Messiah. 
Isn't that good? Praise God. I'm telling you something. There is something special about uh, how God sees us and what he did for us. And uh, now now let me read it again. Start back at the verse 1 in the Amplified Bible. I think sometimes we're to get read it any way we can. You know, there's some translation I'm not too crazy about and, and different things that they say in there. Uh, but I tell you what, sometimes I just like the way they say it, kind of give us a better understanding or enlighten us a little different. But look in the Amplified Bible. It says, And you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sin. Did you know sins and trespasses is a killer? Yeah. Even today. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. He even tells us today that sin will kill. Am I right? I'm telling you, sin, the devil knows that if he can keep you in sin, he can destroy you in every which way there is. And so it goes on to say, in which at one time you walked. At one time you walked in those trespasses and sins, but listen, we're, we're, we're changed now. At one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway and the tendency of this present age following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. I'm telling you, the Bible says that the demon spirits are still working on those that are rebellious and disobedience and disobedient, not doing what uh, God wanted them to do. I, we was at a uh, when we was at the conference of the night. Uh, I think Rusty Martin was up there ministering, and, and but just by the Holy Ghost moving in the Holy Ghost. No, Mark Brzee was, and uh, he he gave an invitation about something. I forget what it was. Was it nightmares or something like that? People having nightmares and uh, such as that, and. And, uh, our, I forget what it was. I wish I could remember what it was exactly. But anyway, when, when they all came up, there's certain ones that Mark Brzee would tell Rusty Martin, you come over here and pray for them. And so one girl went up there, which we know real well, and he does too. And the thing about it is when he got up, he looked at her by the, and by the, you knew the anointing, the anointing was on him when he did it. I mean, listen, when the anointing's on you, it makes a difference. And he told her, he said, here's your problem. You're disobedient. Here's your issue. Here's what's wrong with you. You are disobedient. You are not doing what God told you to do. You're not doing what God called you to do. And you know you're supposed to be it, and you're just not doing it. That's the problem. Now, how would you like to have that when somebody laid hands on you? But you know God's real. You know, I, I hope y'all look at things like I look at them. As your pastor, you ought to be at least kind of looking at things like I look at them. If I'm wrong somewhere, tell me. God, if there's something stopping the blessings from flowing in my life and stopping me from fulfilling my purpose and destiny, you let me know. Isn't that way we all ought to be? You said, but in front of 1,200 people? You said, well, you wouldn't do something like that, Pastor. I would if you told me to. If I wouldn't, y'all don't need me for a pastor. Huh? And he's basically telling them, listen, the demon spirit that worked on you before would like to keep working on you now. And he does work on a lot of people. The devil works on people. If you don't believe it, you listen to some people say, well, the devil's doing this. Am I right? I tell you what, the devil's been running me around a tree. Well, stop. 
You know, the devil's likened to a snake. I don't like snakes. And there's a certain kind of snake called a whip snake or black runner. Y'all ever seen those? Them suckers, well, they're fast. But I have to say, but they're not that fast. <laughs> they're fast, but not that fast. Because I have been chased by them. Trust me. They just thought they're fast. I'll leave them in the dust. But here's what they always told me. If you'll stop, they'll stop. I just couldn't ever bring myself to do that. Because what if they lied? Huh? So the thing about it is, sometimes we're sitting here talking about, well, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. Listen, I, listen, I have literally heard Christians talk more about what the devil's doing than what God's done. See, we got to be talking more about what God's done and what he's doing than what the devil's doing or what he's trying to do. Come on. And that's what Paul was trying to let them know. Listen, at one time, here's what you were. And that demon spirit was, he was working on you. And, uh, uh, he was, uh, trying to keep you basically in, in all the, uh, mishaps of your life. But I'm telling you something. God is a forgiver and he forgives us. He changes us. He comes into our life. Glory to God and makes a new man and a new woman out of us. I love this book of Ephesians. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the past. Did I read that? I hadn't read it yet, have I? And conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of His indignation like the rest of mankind. He said we were... Uh, at one time, the na- uh, uh, then by nature uh, of God's wrath, but not no more. He's letting us know you're not under the God's wrath no more, and you're not appointed for God's wrath in the future. Amen. Amen. Listen, don't let anybody say, we're all, uh, I tell you what, we're all going to suffer the wrath of God. No, you're not. Why would God pour His wrath upon His children? Huh? But verse 4, I'm telling I, re- I read verse 4 today, and I just had to stop right there. But God. Everybody shout, but God. But God. Man, he's talking of all this, of what you were and all this, and then he said, but God. I tell you what, I, I, that's what I told Ricky today. Uh, Rick, you know Ricky McCoy, he was, here, he was here Sunday, and he was standing back there, and he told me he, he was seeing double. And, of course, I cut up with him a little bit. I had no idea how serious that was. But I was cutting up with him a little bit, and I said, well, then you'll look like we got, it'll look like we got a full house to you. I was just cutting up with Ricky. And of course, he was cutting up back with me, and I said, well, I said, well, you better not, you better not be driving like that. And he said, I see two cars coming. I said, well, you better not be driving. And anyway, we found out, he went to the doctor, he had had a stroke. He had a stroke Saturday and didn't go to the hospital till what, Monday? Monday afternoon. And they told him they cannot believe he's still walking. They could not believe. And they started giving all these scenarios and such as that, what happened to him. And that's the, and he was having blurred vision. And they told him, he told me, I talked to him a little bit ago. And they told him this. He said, uh, uh, he said, they told me my double vision could last six months. And he told me on the phone, but it's already gone. But it's already gone. And here's what I told him. But God, but God, 
They told you you could have it six months, and Ricky said it's already gone. And I'm telling you, that's God. That's God working on him and working in him. Why? Because Ricky was typed. He said, I'm not having this. You got to know Ricky McCoy. <laughs> I remember, uh, year, gosh, years ago, we, we did our, put our services on cable. Uh, cable, the Northland cable, whatever that is, we put it on there. I mean, I was, I had, I had brown hair back then. And, uh, and so I was, uh, I was, uh, preaching on there. And of course, we didn't have the great cameras and stuff though. So it probably wasn't a whole, whole lot of, uh, quality to it at all. In fact, I was walking in Walmart one day and I was walking through there. This boy ran up to me and said, I know you. I said, you do? Where do you know me from? TV. Felt like a celebrity for one minute. I said, really? I said, do you watch me? He said, no. <laughs> and got humbled real quick right after. Pride humbled right quick. And so Ricky told me one time, he said he was on TV and he was watching TV. And he said, we come on. And he said, I know him. I know him. And Cindy said, you don't know him. He said, oh, yes, I do know him. I know him. That's Randy Ayers. That, I know him. He said, I'm going to go to his church. He said, because he tells it like it is. He said, he just tells it like it is. I'm going to go to his church. And he showed up to church and been here ever since. And how many years ago have that been? Nearly 20. Nearly 20, probably 20 years. And been going to church. <laughs> I'm telling you something, because I told it like it was. Some people look at you and say, don't tell me like it is. You tell me like I want to hear it. But God, listen to this. So, this is Amplified. So rich is he in his mercy because of in order to I'll, think about. I want you to think about God for a minute. I want you to think about how rich he is in his mercy. And then I want you to think about this next verse where it said this next part of it, which says because of in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Man, that's pretty, that's pretty strong right there in order to satisfy His love for us, for mankind. He had an intense love for us. His, His great mercy, so rich in mercy. I want to give you, and I don't know, I, I just I got stopped at this verse, and I just started thinking about mercy a little bit. How many know we can thank God for His mercy? Huh? One thing we should never do is ask God for justice. You better ask God for mercy. Because if we got what we just, 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 justly deserved, we'd all be in a mess. He said, that's why I think it says, so rich is he in his mercy. His mercy is compassion. And the Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary describes mercy like this. You won't be able to write all this down because it took me a while. It says mercy is that benevolence Mildness or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries to and to forbear punishment or to inflict less than law or justice will warrant. I 
in this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is grace, which implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity, or compassion, and clemency, but exercised only towards offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being, God. Then I... I read Psalms 23. How many knows what Psalms? Anybody read Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It makes me lie down. It's only six verses. But one of those verses say this, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Aren't we glad for that verse? Listen, you need to be glad for that verse because surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Psalms 103.17 says, but the mercy of the Lord is from... Listen to this one. And you can read... There's tons of them, but I just... I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. But the mercy of the Lord... Psalms 103.17 says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. From everlasting to everlasting. That sounds like forever, don't it? God's great love. And then he says this, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, or we could say also in which he loves us. Sometimes we're just thinking about the love of God because that ought to just totally blow us away that God loves us regardless. You know, we can, and I'm not, I'm not advocating this at all, but I tell you, He loves us when we mess up royally. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? The Bible says it's because of His mercies we aren't consumed. Thank God for His mercies. The Bible says they're new every single morning. Have you ever got up in the morning just knowing God's mercy is over me today? Goodness and mercy follows me everywhere I go. Praise God for that. I'll tell you what. And when it talks about His love, how God loved me, how God loved you. Did you know we weren't always lovable? Y'all probably weren't either as y'all are right now. I know I wasn't. But God loved me. Here's, here's the thing in Romans. Look, look, look if you will. Where do I want to go? And, uh, of course, we know John 3.16. Don't turn there, but go to uh, uh, Romans 5. Because, you know, we're to, sometimes we're just thinking and sit and look at these Scriptures and kind of ponder them and think about them a little bit and meditate on them and let them get down in our spirit. Because you are special whether you believe it or not. Did you know there's not one person in here more special than the other? You are special to God. I mean, the, the Creator of heaven and earth you are special to Him. Amen? We know John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten, so whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In fact, that's probably one of the first verses most people learned. Probably the first one I learned. And I'm telling you something. He loves you. He loves me. But listen to this in Romans 5, verse 6. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I'm in the New King James. For the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But listen to this. But God 
demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me and for you. He died for us. Much more then. That's what Linda was talking about uh, Wednesday. Much more. Did you know there's always much more? There's always much more to God. Much more that we need. Much more that we can learn. Amen? Much more than having been now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Listen, He said, while we were His enemies, while we were sinners. Listen, Jesus died for us when we were as lost as a goose in the fog. He sent His Son. And did you know we can, we can be, and here, here's what I think we gotta understand as, as Christians, as, a, as born again believers. We can't get off, and we don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anybody is in here, uh, I want you to understand that, but we can't be to the place where we're self-righteous. Because there's not merits or degrees of, of, of I, I don't believe there's merits or degrees of sin. I believe there's one blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that won't be forgiven, the Bible says. But the thing about it is, the, there's, the, the only thing that sends, listen to me, murder does not send somebody to hell. Adultery don't send somebody to hell. I mean, it, uh, such a, but the only thing that sends somebody to hell is the rejection of Jesus Christ, that they do not meet Him as Lord and Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And sometimes we look at it and say, oh, what they did is bad. Did you know you can lie and it's just as bad? You can steal and it's just as bad. Huh? Because sin is sin. Because God says when you were sinners... I demonstrated my love by sending my son to die for you and to take that sin that you were bound by upon his own body and wash it clean by his blood. Here's the thing about about getting right with God. You're the one that has to do it. You know, we pray for people. We want people to get saved. We want their lives to change. I got family members that need to be right with God. And do you have family members that need to get right with God? You've got friends that need to get right with God. And I'm telling you something. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's something they have to do, but yet we can have the privilege as being labor sent to their path to show them the way to get there. Did you know if you've got backslidden people, you need, uh, and we all do, you need to start praying like the prodigal, you know, the story of the prodigal son when it talks about, uh, uh, he came to himself and realized even the, even the servants in my father's house has bread enough to spare and I'm sitting here dying of hunger. He came to himself. You know, you are to pray for your loved ones. I'm going to give you a little wisdom from the Holy Ghost. You're to pray for your backslidden loved ones that they'll come to themselves and wake up and return back to the father's house. And come back to the Father's house. God wants you back, and He wants them back, and He wants you back with all your heart. And so He demonstrated His love when He died for us. And listen to me. We were, listen when we got born. I, 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 y'all, y'all hear me say this a lot. When we got born again, it did not make us perfect, except in our inner man. Did you know our inner man is perfect? Our spirit's perfect. I mean, it's, it's hooked and connected with God. We just have a problem sometimes with our flesh. 
Amen? And our flesh is controlled basically by our minds, by our thoughts. Did you know it's your thoughts that lead you astray? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why Romans 12, 2 says this, Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God even for yourselves. Because the thing about it is, your thoughts will... uh, You can have vain imaginations. And we all... I mean, if you sit there... If you let the devil long enough, you can sit there and think all kinds of crazy stuff. Am I right? Have you ever been thinking, just sitting there minding your own business, and all of a sudden a stupid thought pops up and go, What? Where'd that come from? Huh? I learned to start saying like this. I don't think that way. And I'm not going to start now. Huh? See, the devil, here's what, I don't know why I'm going this route right now. But the devil, here's what he does. He gives you those thoughts. Because your mind, in fact, your mind, Corinthians, first, second Corinthians 10 says that you can cast down imaginations, everything that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. When thoughts come, you get, you get to have the choice of what you do with it. God don't. God don't have, have, have the, the, he, well, he does, he has the power, but he don't do it, just come over and just thump that old thought out of there. Wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden that start coming, thought God just thumps. Have you ever had your ear thump? Just thump that thing right off of you. But he don't do it. I've always look, look at it like this. The devil will come and he'll bring you a thought. He'll bring you a thought, a stupid thought, a crazy thought. And then he sits back and waits. Because he's waiting on what you're going to do with it. He waits on what you're going to do with it. It's kind of like a chess game. Anybody ever played chess? Man, I was good at it in high school, but I, I, I couldn't even tell you how to do it no more. And, uh, and it's like a chess. You make a move, and then you sit back and wait on the other person to make the move. And you don't move until the other person moves. And so the devil will sit there, and he'll throw you a thought, and he'll sit back and wait on what you to do. See, you're re- your reaction to the thought gives him his react, reaction back. Because see, he... D- oh, I hope you're hearing me. The devil can't force you to do nothing. He don't have the authority to. He don't have the power to or the might to do it. Now, if you don't belong to him, it may be a different story. But if you belong to God, you are God, you are Christ, you have authority over him. And I'm telling you, you've got to make up your mind that when he brings... Listen, I've had crazy thoughts come... I've been driving down the road before and crazy... And and I'm the preacher. And all of a sudden, Papa said, what would it be like if you ran into that tree? My thought is after that, said, I don't know, I'm not going to do it. Huh? That's how he starts working. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody would miss you. Who do you think you are? And if you entertain that long enough, you're going to begin to believe it. So you've got to be the one that thumps that thought out. And I like what Kenneth Copeland always said. He said, you can't think a thought out. You have to speak a thought out. I'm talking about you have, you, I'm not talking about speaking the thought that comes to your mind out of your mouth because you don't really need to be doing that. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he said, take no thought saying. 
You said, when do you take a thought when you start saying it? When you start saying it, you start taking it. In other words, you begin to start embracing it, and before long, here's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get a stronghold. Now, thoughts are easier to get rid of until, before it becomes a stronghold in your life. And so we've got to decide, you know, I am not going to allow this to become a stronghold on the inside of me. Listen to me. Can you think, I know I'm out of town, town, I'm out of time. You probably think you need to get out of town. And, uh, but listen to me. Let me just ask you the question. How many of you believe God loves you? Just right, if you believe God loves you, raise your hand. We just talked about his intense love. Then who gives a rip if anybody else does? We all want to be loved. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people hating me. But God loves me. God loves you. He made you the way you look. He loves you. You say, He loves me just like I am. Well, He does love you like you were or like you are, but He didn't leave you like you were, if that makes any sense. So we've got to get to the place in our lives that we understand God loves me. He cares about me. He has an intense love for me and he wanted to satisfy that love. So he sent Jesus Christ to die for me. And once I accept that, I become a part of the household in the family of God. And that's further on in that chapter. But the thing about it is we've got to understand that God wants the best for our lives. <clears throat> There's always going to be light and darkness on this planet. And you're not a part of the kingdom of darkness any longer. And that's so you'll read, we'll read that. But the thing about it is, he delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Huh? Listen, the devil operates on the level of your flesh and of your mind. And you've got to understand that God loves you and he cares about you. And the devil has no right or authority over you. Listen, even as a pastor in 30-something years, there's been times that I have let... Listen, I want you to know that we're not exempt from this either. We, If we don't do it, if we don't work the Word, it don't work for us. If we don't hold God to His Word and we don't project that Word back to Him, it don't work to us. But there's been times... Listen, I don't. I'm not a fearful person. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind, and I believe that with all my heart. The devil has a, has a spirit of fear, and I will not live in fear. I refuse to. But there's been times where, where, where uh, uh, at night before, at, at home, in my house, tell me by the blood, listen to me, I'm going to help somebody, that, that, that I've laid there before, and there's just an eeriness and almost a fear that tries to come in. And I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, it's almost like you feel it. I guess the spirit of fear, you can feel it. And I'm sitting here, uh, uh, someone that pleads the blood of Jesus over his family, his life all the time, uh, believing the word, praying in the Holy Ghost, doing all that, and all of a sudden the devil has the gall to try to move in and try to put fear on me. And I'm talking about, I, and, and I have to deal with it. I mean, I have to I literally, and I don't wake Linda up, say, Linda, you're going to have to, no, no, no. I start dealing with it right there. I start saying, no, in the name of Jesus. I thank God the blood of Jesus covers me. It covers this home. It covers my house. It covers this. And the devil, and just start talking. Listen to me, because you have to do that. I'm telling you. The devil don't care who you are, but he can't just do anything he wants. Did you know, I'm, I'm quitting. 
Did you know if the devil could kill you just at random, you'd already be dead? I'd already been dead. He tried even before I met Jesus and couldn't do it. Thank God. But I'm telling you, now since I met Jesus and I know the power of the protection of God in my life and I know that the devil cannot invade my home, he ain't got a chance, David. Huh? Listen to me. God loves you intensely. He loves me intensely. And He's in my house. He's in your house. Amen? I don't know why I shared all that. It really wasn't in Ephesians, was it? But listen to me. We've got to make a stand against the enemy. And if you'll read it, He gives us, shows us our authority in there too. God is good, isn't He? Praise God. Well, I, I, I kind of got, I don't, don't guess I got off base, but anyway, praise God. Maybe I hit a home run anyway. <clears throat> God's good, isn't He? Praise God. Think, think of yourself as a loved by God. You say, well, they don't like me. Well, God does. Huh? You just walk in love and live in love and be kind, be generous, let the fruit of the Spirit flow out of your life, and I tell you what, God will start ministering and convicting people around you. Amen? Praise God, we love you. We thank you so much for the Word of God. God, I pray that we just... God, that we'll have an intense desire and hunger for your Word. God, that we'll realize these epistles, these letters that Paul wrote to the churches... God, even though it says to the church of Ephesus and Galatian and Philippi, uh, Philippi and uh, uh, Corinthians and all, God, those letters are to us. God, that we can grab hold of them and glean and learn from them, God, that they can strengthen us and empower us and give us knowledge on how to live by faith and understand your love for us, that you love and care about us, God. And you don't want no harm to come to our life. You don't want any bad to happen to us. But God, you put all the authority over and give it, give us charge over it all. So God, I thank you that this body, this congregation, we're getting a hold of this. God, this is not just something that's falling on deaf ears. We're hearing what you're trying to tell us or what you are telling us. And God is changing our lives. We'll not live in fear. We'll not live in fear. We'll not live in we'll not live in fear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.